All right. Well, here we go. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This little phrase right here that I put on the screen, some of you might know, it's actually a famous little phrase that is used by Jesus uh, oftentimes after he tells a parable or after he teaches or after he tells a story. This little phrase right here, whoever has ears, let them hear. And it's kind of interesting. You actually find that this phrase shows up 15 times throughout the New Testament and it's actually only used by Jesus Christ himself. And so there's no one else in all the pages of scripture uh, who are attributed to have being said, who have said these words, whoever has ears, let them hear. And you know, it's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? If you think about it, it's actually kind of a weird thing to say. Like, I mean, just think about that. Whoever has ears, anyone have ears? Anyone in the room this morning, show of hands? Anyone have ears? Good, good, you should, any ear people? Good, you should listen, right? You should listen. It's kind of a funny thing to say if you think about it. But I actually really, if you think about this statement, I actually really love this statement. And the reason I love, so, the reason I love it so much is because I think that in it, uh, Jesus is inviting us at any given time to really be engaged and active listeners in the things that he's saying. And another reason that I love this statement so much is because I think that Jesus is admitting that at any time, any given time when he talks or when he teaches, that there are some people in his audience who have ears to hear him and there are some pe people in his audience that do not. Uh, that there are some people that for whatever reason, whatever stage of life they're, they're in or for whatever reason, that when it comes to spiritual things, they're just going la, 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 not interested, don't wanna hear it. And, and that's fair. Because one of the things that you'll notice when you look at the life of Jesus is you will notice that people came to Jesus for all different types of reasons. It's really fascinating. What you'll see is that Jesus always had these crowds around him but the reasons that the people were there were, were various. And so for example, some people came to Jesus because they had a family or friend or someone uh, who was a family member or whatever who needed to be healed. And they heard that Jesus had this miraculous power to heal people. And so they came to Jesus with that agenda. They came to Jesus so that he would heal their friend or he would hear, hear their relative. And so a lot of people came for that reason. They may not have been interested in hearing his message, uh, but they were interested in coming to him for those reasons. Some people, my guess is that they came to Jesus for entertainment. I mean, you can imagine in the first century, right, that you hear about this guy, he's controversial, he's saying things that are intriguing, he's amassing large followings, some people want to kill him, some people want to worship him. Jesus would have been very entertaining to them, right? It would have been like the first century version of Netflix for these people. So some people wanted to be entertained. Some people maybe came to Jesus because they wanted to hear a story. Jesus was an expert storyteller. Uh, he was a captivating communicator, and so people sometimes wanted to come and listen to him teach. Maybe they weren't interested in actually finding out the meaning embedded in the stories that he told, but people would come to him for all of these different reasons. And so the truth is, all different kinds of people came to Jesus for all different types of reasons. And here's what I think is fascinating, is that today, uh, all kinds of different people come to church for a bunch of different reasons as well. That in a lot of the same ways that we see that a bunch of people come to Jesus for different reasons, a bunch of people come to church for different reasons. In fact, my guess is that even right now in this room, that if I was just to survey all of you and ask you why it is that you come here or why it is that you're at church, my guess is we get some different responses, right? Some people would tell you that the reason they come to church is they come to church to feel uh, motivated, to feel inspired, to, to experience some kind of emotional lift 
that is gonna help you get through this next week, that the week was hard, and so when you come to church, it's a refreshing way uh, to uh, have your emotions stirred and to sing some songs together and to hopefully feel motivated and, and inspired. And so some, some of us, we come to church for those reasons. Some, some uh, come to church to be entertained, right? And if you're being honest, some of you are like, and I, I hope the band is on point today, and I hope that you're funny or you say something that's intellectually stimulating or whatever that might be. And that might be a reason that you're here today. Some of you, if you're being really honest, maybe the reason you're here, we can be honest, right? This is church. Some of you are being really honest. The reason you're here is because you're looking for a date. That's actually why you're here, right? And you're like, it's a way better place to find someone in church than it is a bar. And so that's why I'm here. And let me just tell you, by the way, if that's you, if that's the reason and motivation why you're at our church, I can't blame you. Uh, Our church is exceptionally attractive. I mean, have you seen you guys? We are by far the most attractive campus of all of Grace Church. Is that not true about you? Yes, it is absolutely, yeah, absolutely that is true about you. Have you guys seen the Norton campus? Oh my gosh, right? So yeah, right? So some of us are here for those reasons. And that's why some of you are here for networking reasons. Some of you are here for social reasons. Some of you, quite honestly, you don't actually even know why you're here. This is just something you've always done. And you've always, Sunday morning, got up and went to church. You don't even think twice about it. It's just autopilot for you. And you don't actually know why, why you're here. And some of you, some of you are here against your will. And some of you, maybe your parents drug you here, or maybe your kids drug you here, or maybe your spouse drug you here, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend drug. Either way, you were drugged, right? That's how you got in the room here today. And listen, here's all I'm trying to say. Because we all come for different reasons. We all come to church. We come to Jesus for different reasons. And here's the thing. Jesus understands that. I think Jesus recognizes this. And yet what's interesting in the Bible is that you see that Jesus never prevents this. Jesus never resists that. He understands that to be true. And let me just say that if you're a person that would say that you come to church for any of those reasons, I think that's okay. But our hope here at Grace is that you wouldn't stay for those reasons. Our hope is that through this process that you might actually stay for the right reason. And what is the right reason? We would say it's this. The right reason is Jesus. Uh, We are a community of people that want to center in on knowing, following, and making our lives centered around the person of Jesus Christ. And our hope is that you would stay for that reason, that maybe if you came to find a date, that you might leave finding Jesus, and that that might be the thing that remains and stays with you. And so Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that there are all kinds of different people and all kinds of different stories, and we all come to him for different reasons. But here's the interesting thing that we see about Jesus, is he doesn't want to leave us there. Jesus, when you actually look at him in the the scripture, when you come and see Jesus, what you'll notice is that Jesus is always trying to push people to a decision point. He is always trying to help us process through who he really is and what it is that he's really teaching. And I'll just tell you, I don't know if there's a better example of the reality that I'm trying to explain to you here right now than what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 13. And so I actually want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible, why don't you grab your Bible with me? And if you'd please turn to Matthew 13, that's where we're going to be finding ourselves here today. So Matthew 13, if you didn't bring a Bible of your own, by the way, uh, feel free to use one of our Bibles that are under the chairs, those black Bibles. Uh, page 684 is where you're going to find Matthew 13. So you can go ahead and, and get there. And then also let me say, 
if you don't own a Bible, please, please, please take one of ours home with you. Uh, We'd love it if you had your own copy, physical copy of the Bible. So Matthew 13. Now, as you're finding Matthew 13, like Clark mentioned a moment ago, in this series, we've been journeying through the Gospel of Matthew. And we said that the Gospel of Matthew is much more than just another book of the Bible. We said that Matthew is actually one of the earliest first century eyewitness historical accounts of the life of Jesus that we have in our possession. And so we've been coming to the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been coming and seeing and investigating the life of Jesus together. And so we're going to get to Matthew 13 here today as we continue in this. Now, as you're finding Matthew 13, and and you probably have it there in front of you, let me just tell you a little bit of what we're going to see, uh, just a little bit of a kind of a a hint in what we're going to look at here today. What you'll notice in Matthew chapter 13, what we're going to see is that this is going to denote a shift in Jesus' teaching style. And so beginning in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to see that Jesus is going to begin teaching in parables, in parables. Now, any of you ever heard of a parable before? My guess is many of you may have heard that. If you're, not, if you're not familiar with what a parable is, a parable is essentially a short little story, would take no more than two to five minutes to tell, but it would contain deep spiritual realities. It would be used to explain something about spiritual realities. And this was actually one of Jesus's primary methods of teaching. In fact, what we're going to see today is that starting in Matthew chapter 13 in the Gospel of Matthew, this is the way that Jesus is now going to begin teaching the people. That prior to Matthew 13, he would teach in sermons, uh, he would teach in discourses, but Matthew 13 and on, we're going to see that Jesus begins teaching in parables. And he's actually going to tell us here in Matthew 13 why he teaches in parables. And I think, I think for some of you, you might actually be very surprised to find out why Jesus teaches in parables. So let me show you what I'm talking about. We're gonna start off in verse one. Here's what it says. So Matthew 13, verse one. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. All right, so let's just hit pause there for a moment. It's probably pretty clear when you look at verse one that this is a transitionary statement. And what that means is that we are picking it up in the middle of a story. And so let me give you just a little bit of context. So what's happened prior to this in chapter 11 and chapter 12 is that Jesus has been traveling around doing ministry and he continues to have a growing crowd that is around him. So his popularity is rising. But what we find in chapters 11 and chapter 12 is that even though Jesus has this huge crowd of people around him, many people are coming for all different types of reasons. And so like we talked about earlier, people are coming to Jesus with all kinds of different opinions and all different kinds of agendas. And we actually find in chapter 11 and chapter 12 that people have a lot of different opinions about Jesus. And so some people that are in the crowds worship him and want to follow him. Some people who are in the crowds doubt Jesus and they're skeptical of him. And some people that are in the crowds, we find out, want to kill him. And ultimately, they're going to succeed in doing so. And so Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that there's this huge crowd of people. A lot of them are there for different reasons, and many of them have different opinions about who he is, much like maybe this room here today. And so watch what happens. The Bible says that Jesus leaves this house that he was in, and then he goes out to the lake, right? Goes out to the lake, verse two. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Okay, so check this out. The Bible says Jesus goes out to the lake and apparently he can't escape the crowds pressing into him. And so the Bible says that as he goes out to the lake, this large group of crowds start swarming around him. And so apparently Jesus sees this as a prime opportunity to teach the crowds. And so what he does, I think this is actually really brilliant what he does. The Bible says that he gets in a boat and he he paddles out, you know, a 
couple meters, 10 meters, whatever it might be. And then the people gather on the shores and he begins to teach them. Now, I think this is really a smart move. And the reason for this, many of you guys know this, is that your voice carries much easier and, and, and much more clearly over water than it does over land. And so Jesus essentially was kind of making a natural amphitheater. I actually thought it was sort of interesting. I was talking to a guy uh, that's part of my life group and he was studying this passage this past week. Uh, both, of, both he and I were studying this passage and we were comparing notes and he actually shared something with me I thought was interesting that he got in one of his commentaries and he shared with me that archeologists actually speculate that they know where this parable may have been spoken or parables like this. It's actually something that's sometimes called the cove of parables or the cove of the sower. Here's a picture of it. This is an aerial view. This is on the Sea of Galilee. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Like if you look at it, you'll see it's like a natural inlet. And you can imagine, it's, it kind of creates like a natural amphitheater. You probably can't tell from this picture, but there's like a grade to the land. And so it kind of naturally slopes upward from the shore. And so you can imagine Jesus sitting in the boat here and the crowds on the shores, they'd be able to hear him very easily. Here's another uh, shot of it. I think this is kind of cool. This is from, this is from the actual uh, shoreline. And so just imagine for a minute, just get this picture in your mind. Imagine that you're in the audience, right? And you're standing here and Jesus is out in a boat and he's getting ready to teach the people. It's kind of cool, right? So it kind of shows that this is a real thing that actually happened. So watch what happens next. Check this out, verse three. Then he told them many things in parables, parables. So he's gonna begin teaching in parables now, saying, and now here we go. Jesus is gonna tell one of his first parables. He's gonna launch into this short story. And here's the first story. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And now, let me just stop there for a second. And before we read the rest of this short little story, I think it's worth mentioning something. Uh, I don't know why, and the New International Version of the Bible, that's what's on the screen, and if you're using one of our black Bibles, that's what you're holding, is the New International Version. I don't know why the New International Version actually excludes a word that some of the other translations include. And so if you have like, for example, the New Living Translation of the Bible, or if you have the New American Standard Bible, you will notice that when Jesus begins telling the story, there's a word that's used there that's not, word in the, not used in the NIV. And the word is behold, or it's listen, it's listen. And actually, if you look at the original Greek text, you'll notice that that word is there. That when Jesus begins, he starts by saying, listen up. He starts by saying, behold. And I actually think that's really important. And I'll, I'll tell you why here in just a moment. And so here's the picture I want you to get in your mind. Jesus goes out in a boat, huge crowd of people, goes out in a boat, apparently gets in the boat, starts to teach. And he says, listen up, listen, everybody listen to me. And everyone's paying attention. And then Jesus goes on to tell this really weird little story. So, so check this out. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and they ate it up. And some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Right? But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked out the plants, which choked the plants. Verse eight, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. And then he ends, whoever has ears, let them hear. And that's the end of this little teaching that Jesus gives. Uh, can you imagine, I, I love how he finishes, but can you, can you imagine how weird this must have been 
for the people. I mean, just get this in your mind. Jesus, right, Jesus has this big old crowd of people around him. I mean, they're really pressing in. And so apparently he sees that this is a great opportunity to clearly explain himself to the crowds. And so he gets out in the boat, right, paddles out in the boat, and then he gets up and he says, listen up, everybody, listen. And everyone's listening. And then he says, once upon a time, there was this farmer. You guys know farmers, right? Everyone knows farmers. Okay, some of you are farmers. He says, yeah, he says, there was a farmer and he was scattering some seed. He says, and it fell on a bunch of different kinds of soils and conditions. And three of the four didn't take, but the fourth one took, and this incredible harvest happened as a result of it. And then he ends and he just says, so does anyone have ears? Anyone have ears in here? Okay, well, you should listen to what I'm saying. And then that's it. And then he's done. And I imagine that maybe after that, he just like slowly paddles away, right? He's just like, there you go, I, backwards, right, into the sunset. But you're like, why that's so, it's so weird. It must have been so confusing. I mean, imagine, imagine if I did that this morning. Imagine how weird that would be. If I got up here and I was like, all right, everybody, good to see you. Good morning. Listen up, listen up. Once upon a time, there was a farmer out in Litchfield. You guys know Litchfield, right? And he was out there and he was planting the seed and some of it didn't grow. The different kinds of soils didn't grow. But there was a fourth one and it took and it grew and there was this incredible harvest that took place. It was amazing. So if you have ears this morning, you should listen to what I'm saying. Band's gonna come up now and we're gonna pass the offering, right? You'd be like, that is so weird. Some of you are actually thinking, I would actually prefer that if you would do that. It'd be so much... These long sermons get to me, man. And, uh, no, but how weird would that be, man? How confusing would that be? And I want, I want you to see here is the Bible's actually gonna tell us that as, as confusing as that might seem to us as it was to the disciples as well. Because look what the Bible says. This is verse 10. The disciples came to Jesus. So basically after Jesus was done with this, the Bible says the disciples came to him and they asked him, why do you do that? Why do you speak in, to people in parables? In other words, translation, they basically came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what was that all about? What, what, what was that? You got up and told this weird story. No one knows what you're talking about. We don't even know what you're talking about and we're your disciples. And then Jesus goes on to give him an answer. And I want you to notice Jesus' answer because he's going to tell us the reason he tells parables. And I honestly think for some of you, this might be very surprising. So here's what he says. Check this out, verse 11. He replied, because, why do you tell parables? Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, disciples, but not to them, to the crowds. He goes on, here's what he says in verse 12. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Okay, it's kind of confusing. Not sure I understand what that means, but he keeps going. Look what he says in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. So Jesus says, I'm going to tell you as clearly as I can. Here is why I speak in parables. And now I want you to notice this next section right here. Jesus actually goes on to quote from the Old Testament. In fact, if you have a Bible with footnotes, you'll notice that this verse right here that Jesus quotes shows up several times in the Old Testament. It's a very famous verse that is used to explain the spiritual condition of humanity. And here's what it says. He says, though seeing, they do not see. And though hearing, they do not hear and understand. And so Jesus says, you wanna know why I tell parables? Here's what he says. He says, because seeing, they don't see, and hearing, they don't understand. In other words, here's what he means. Even though they have eyes, it doesn't mean that they actually can see and perceive reality. And even though they have ears, that doesn't mean they're actually listening. It doesn't mean they actually hear and understand what I'm actually saying. 
That's what he says. He goes on. Look what he says next. He actually quotes from Isaiah. Isaiah is an Old Testament book. It's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he quotes from chapter six. Here's what he says. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and he says this. He says, but blessed are your eyes because you see and blessed are your ears because you hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they did not see it and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. Did you guys catch that? Do you hear what Jesus, do you, do you understand Jesus' explanation of why he tells parables? As some of you read that and you're like, no, actually, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't, I don't think I caught that. Well, here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice this. This is so important, that Jesus is explaining to us, and he's actually gonna go on to tell us that the parable that he just told, the parable that we just read, is actually a parable about why Jesus tells parables and how people listen to parables. Does that make sense at all? This is like, do you guys ever see the movie Inception? This is like the biblical version of Inception. This is a parable about a parable within a parable, right? It's like, whoa, mind bending. But basically what Jesus is doing is he's trying to explain, this is why I tell parables. And this is the way that people listen to the parables that I teach. And so why did Jesus tell parables? Well, I want you to notice something else. If you glance at your Bible and you look from verse one to verse 23, this whole section, you'll actually notice that there are some key terms that are repeated several times in this passage. And what are they? Well, there are these two words right here. The word here, the word here, is gonna show up 16 times in this passage. Hear or hearing or listen. Hear or hearing or listen. 16 times you're gonna see this in this passage. You're gonna see the word understand five times. And so a couple of key terms. Jesus is gonna be talking about hearing and understanding. Hearing to understand. What is this parable all about? Well, here's what I believe it's all about. I believe that this whole thing is about how we hear. It's about how we listen. And basically it's about, do we listen, do we hear to actually understand? Do we listen, do we hear in such a way that we're truly trying to understand what is being said and what is being spoken? I think that's what this whole thing's about. I think Jesus is causing us to think about how we listen and how we hear. I'll put it another way. Here's the reason I think Jesus tells this parable. I think he tells this parable because one of the things he knows about every single one of us in this room, part of the human condition, is that we all truly struggle to really listen. Like to really listen. That, that truth be told, many of us, we are terrible listeners, terrible listeners. That yes, we have ears, but, but oftentimes we don't actually hear to understand, to actually listen to what another person is actually saying or what another person actually means. That we have a very, one of the most difficult things you and I can do on a daily basis is truly listen to another person, to understand what they're talking about. And even when we, listen, even when we do hear the voice of another person, it's difficult for us not to hear our own voice going on in our head, in our mind, in our heart at the same time. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's hard sometimes to truly listen, to understand somebody else, and it's really hard to truly hear and understand and listen to Jesus. And I think he knows this about us. Let's tell you, I personally was um, thinking about this this week, and I was just convicted again of man, how terrible of a listener I am. I was just thinking about this. 
See if you guys can relate with this. So, so my wife and I, uh, we've been married now. It's going to be 12 years in March that we've been, that we've been married. And so uh, 12 years of marriage, we have these four, uh, these four little um, sermon illustrations at home. Uh, I mean children. Uh, but uh, we got four little kids at home. They range from nine years old to 10 months. And uh, so things are kind of crazy and hectic. But this is, this, this is something I was thinking about this past week. This happens far more often than I care to admit. But on, on, a, on a regular basis, what will happen is I'll come home from work. And usually when I come home from work, I'm coming out of a meeting or I'm coming out of a conversation or I'm trying to solve some kind of issue or problem. And, uh, and so that'll be on my mind, right? And I'll walk into the house and usually when I get home, my wife is, is there already and she's you know, usually hanging out in the kitchen or whatever. And I'll walk into the kitchen and usually she'll want to talk, right? Naturally, want to have a conversation about our day and about you know, how, how it went. And she'll want to tell me about something. And so she'll want to tell me about something the kids did that day or some conversation she had or something with the family or she'll want to tell me about, you know, some important event that's coming up that I need to make sure that I, you know, I have on my calendar or whatever. And so she'll be talking to me. And as she's talking to me, there's this like whirlwind of activity that's happening around me. And so we got four kids, right? So there's a 10-month-old and he's like pounding a toy on the ground. And then my, there's my little girl, uh, Gracie, and she's like telling Alexa to play her favorite song for the 40th time that day or whatever, right? And the boys are crazy. And I'm thinking about this meeting I was in and suddenly it'll occur to me, she'll be talking and I, I will even outwardly be like showing the, 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 you know, the nonverbal signs that I'm listening like, I'll be making eye contact with her, and I'll even be nodding my head. I'll be, you know, I'll be, mm-hmm, yes, yes, yes. But I realize, like, 10 to 15 seconds in, I realize I am not actually listening to anything she's saying. And then all of a sudden, I have, like, this, there's, like, this, this, there's this dilemma, because I have to make a decision right then and there. And the decision, you guys know the decision, right? The decision is, do I keep pretending and just try to figure it out and salvage this, or do I just admit it and just be like, I'm sorry, I was not paying attention to you at all. Is anyone else, can anyone else relate to this, right? Don't leave me up here by myself. I know you do this. I see you do this in the cafe all the time, right? We all do this. We all do this. And here's all I'm saying. I think Jesus knows this about us. He knows that at any given time, we have a very difficult time actually, truly listening to hear and to understand someone. And even when we are listening to someone else other than ourselves, usually what we hear is a mixture of their voice and our voice going on at the same time. It's hard for us to genuinely listen. And let me just tell you, not only is it difficult for us to listen to each other, it's difficult for us to listen to Jesus. It's difficult for people to genuinely listen to what he actually means and what he truly says. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We said that a lot of times when we approach the words of Jesus, a lot of times we hear what we want. We hear what we want. And we take the parts that we like and we apply them to ourselves we, we, and we take the things that we don't like or that are confusing to us and we dismiss them. And I think what Jesus is saying, I think the reason he tells parables is, is for this very reason. In fact, I find it so interesting that not only does Jesus know this, but apparently this is part of his motivation of why he tells parables. See, for many of us, we think that parables are like little self-contained stories that are intended to, to kind of illuminate and reveal something to us, and each one of them kind of has their own little personal takeaway. But for Jesus, that's not what parables were at all. For Jesus, parables were not intended to make things more clear. They actually had the, almost the opposite effect. They were intended to cause us to, they were puzzling little stories that caused us to lean in. In other words, 
Parables weren't intended to make us go, ah, aha. Parables were intended to make us go, huh? What? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense at all. And Jesus actually says, yep, that's actually what I'm going for. That's actually what I'm going for because I'm trying to invite you into actually listening and into a process. I'm actually inviting you to piece it together, to not just go, don't get it and walk away, but to say, wait a minute, I don't understand that. Let's start a dialogue. Let's get into a conversation. Let's figure out what this is really, truly all about. I actually really like the way uh, there's a guy named Robert Farrar. He wrote a book on the parables and uh, he's a scholar and an author. And I think his introduction to his book on the parables, he says it better than anybody. So I just thought I'd share it with you. Here's what he said about the parables. He said, for Jesus, the meaning of God's kingdom is a radical mystery. Jesus did not use the parables to explain everything to people's satisfaction, but rather to call into question people's previous understandings. In other words, the parables are trying to upset people's existing ideas as well as provide them new ones. Now watch what he says next. I love this. He says, they are meant to pop every circuit breaker. The parables are meant to pop every circuit breaker in people's minds. After all of our yammer and opinions of how God should or shouldn't run the world, getting people just to stand there with their eyes wide open and their mouths shut would be a giant step forward. Wow. This is what Jesus' parables are designed to do. I think, he's, I think he's nailing it. I think he's absolutely right about that. That if you read, what, what does Jesus say? Here's what Jesus says. The reason I tell parables is because people have ears, but that doesn't mean they're listening. And the reason I tell parables is because people have eyes, but that doesn't mean they always perceive. And so I believe that what he's saying, what Robert Farrar is saying is the same thing, is that just because people are showing up to hear Jesus doesn't mean they're actually committed to his message. And so what Jesus is doing is basically he tells parables as a way of separating the crowd from the committed. He basically says, if you, I'm not gonna spoon feed you. I'm not gonna spoon feed you. And so I'm gonna tell you this parable and if you're interested, then you come talk to me about that. In other words, I think he's inviting us into a dialogue because think about this for a minute. What is the difference between the disciples and the crowds in this passage? Did you notice the difference between the disciples and the crowds? Here's the difference. The disciples were the ones who came back. The disciples were the ones who came back and said, Jesus, we don't understand. Why, you, why do you do that and what does that mean? And what I find so fascinating that to those who are willing to seek him out, Jesus gives them an answer. Jesus says, okay. Be willing to talk to you guys, absolutely. Be happy, happy to do that. And I think that in the parables, Jesus is inviting us not to just be passive listeners, but to be active listeners who are engaged and truly trying to seek out and understand what it is that he really means. And so here, here's the question I think that Jesus is causing us to ask. And this is a question I wanna ask you this morning. I just want you to think about yourself. Here's the question. How do you listen? I just want you to think about this for a minute. Think about it. What kind, what kind of listener are you? How, how are you at listening? How do you listen? And by the way, don't nudge anybody. Okay, don't nudge your spouse. This isn't about them. You're like, you should be listening to this, right? It's like, no, 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 all right. So just think about yourself. How do you, how do you listen? Do you truly listen to understand somebody? Do you ask follow-up questions? Are, are, you, are you intrigued to actually piece it together? Or, or, are you just kind of waiting to say what you want to say? Just kind of waiting for your turn to talk. I'll tell you, I, man, I struggle with this so much. Right. Do you, are you genuinely wanting to understand somebody or are you waiting to insert your opinion? When someone else is talking, can you clearly hear them 
Or do you find that you're so preoccupied with your own inner dialogue, so concerned about how this other person might be perceiving you that you can't even hear what they're saying? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this is a really important thing. And then here's a follow-up question. For those of us who follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ in this room, by the way, I know not everybody is a follower of Jesus, but if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you listen to Jesus? How do you listen to him? When you open up his words and you read them, either on your own or at life group or here at, at, when we get together and read them together, how do you listen? Are you engaged? Like, do you ask questions? Are you, are you, do you take notes? Do you ponder? Do you say, man, I don't, I don't understand that, but I really want to. God, can you help me under, do you press in or, do, or, or are you passive? Do you open the Bible and just go, mm, don't get it, mm, I, don't, I don't understand that, and just walk away? Or do you come to life group passively and just like, I don't know, not, you know, whatever. Or do you, come, do you come here on the weekends and when we talk about Jesus, you listen passively, you just put your hands back and you go, okay, all right, go ahead, go ahead, tell me, make me listen, I dare you, make me listen. Dance clown, tell me a funny story. Like, is that how you listen, right? Are we passive or are we actively engaged? And and here's the reason I say that, because what Jesus is about to tell us, and I want you to notice this, Jesus says our ability and our willingness to truly listen to him and understand him is directly correlated to the amount of transformation that he can accomplish in your life that it's how we listen to him and our willingness to truly understand him that affects the amount of transformation that he wants to accomplish in our life. In fact, let me show you what I mean. So look what happens next. Verse 18, Jesus says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Now, I don't wanna overlook this, by the way, because I think this is really significant, what happens right here. I want you to notice that to those who come back and ask Jesus, he gives them an explanation. I think that's huge. Because I think what it tells us is Jesus is available. He is available to anyone who is willing to seek him. To anyone who's willing to press in, he will give you the answer. And so here he says, he says, sure, I'll tell you what it means. Let me tell you what the parable means. And now Jesus himself is going to interpret the parable, which is always helpful, by the way, when Jesus interprets the Bible, it leaves us without any question of what it means. And so here's what he says, verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown among the path. Okay, so here's Jesus explaining to us what the parable means. Now you'll notice that in this, basically Jesus is saying that the parable is that he himself, Jesus, is the farmer. He is the sower, right? And so he is the one that is scattering the seed. And apparently the seed, the seed represents the message about the kingdom, the message about the kingdom. Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, you might remember we said that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven was Jesus's primary theme of his teaching throughout all of his, all of, all of his teaching when he was here on earth. If you missed uh, that teaching a couple, a couple weeks ago, I would really encourage you to go listen to that because we said that, man, if you, if you don't understand the kingdom as it relates to Jesus and what he taught, that, then you're actually missing what his central theme of his teaching was. He came to bring a kingdom. He came to reorient our lives around a new king and around a different kind of authority. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. So he says, I'm the sower. The seed is my message about the kingdom. And apparently the different soils represent different conditions of the heart of a person's heart, right? What's going on inside of of them in, in those ways. And so then Jesus says, there's actually four different ways that people hear. And the first one he describes is someone who hears the message. They hear the message, right? But... They don't understand it. They just don't understand it. 
and they don't understand it because it confuses them or they don't understand it because maybe it doesn't make sense at first glance. And then it says, and then they walk away and the evil one snatches away what was sown in their heart and it makes no difference. He says, so some people, some people are gonna hear it. They're not gonna understand it. And then they're gonna walk away and they're not going to actually follow up and try to find answers. And so immediately when they walk away, it's gonna just be, go right out of their heart, right out of their mind. It's gonna make absolutely no difference in their life at all. And let me just tell you that what was true back then is true today. That the very same thing is probably gonna happen even right now, today. Some of you are gonna hear this message. You're gonna look at the words of Jesus. You're gonna be confused. You're gonna go, I don't really get it. I don't think I know what that guy was talking about. I'm not really sure what that passage is about. I mean, that guy was good looking and everything, but my goodness, I don't know what he's talking about for the life of me. And you're gonna leave this place. And by the moment your feet hit the parking lot, you're gonna forget everything we talked about. And the only thing that you're gonna be thinking about is what should we have for lunch today? Rockneys or Chipotle? Rockneys or Chipotle? Let me, just, let me just help you with that, by the way. Chipotle, all right, just go to Chipotle every time. But honestly, that's gonna happen. And Jesus says, that's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. He never resists this. He just, he just explains this. And for some of you, that's what's gonna happen today. Gives us the second soil. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. Now, by the way, rocky ground, let me just help you with that. When Jesus says that, he's not envisioning like soil with some rocks kind of mixed in. Actually, the idea there is that it's more like a layer of rock with a little bit of soil on top of it. That's the rocky soil. And so he says, some people are gonna hear this way. They're gonna, this, the, 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 the message is going to hit their ears. They're gonna receive it with joy. This is awesome. I've never heard this. Jesus is great. And then look at this, verse 21. But since they have no root, they last only a short time because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, which by the way, inevitably it will, it will Trouble and persecution will enter your life because you decided to follow Jesus. It's true, it's true. Jesus, Jesus actually promised that to be the case. He says, but when that happens, they will quickly fall away. And let me just say here, by the way, uh, when he says quickly fall away, that's it's a little bit of a play on words. And the reason is because uh, the term fall away literally is where we get the word scandal from or where we get the word shocked from. And so what he's saying is, he says, there's some people that are gonna hear the message about Jesus are gonna be like, yes, this is the best. But then when trouble and persecution come, they're gonna be shocked. They're gonna be like, what? They're gonna feel scandalized. They're gonna say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that, when I, I thought that because I followed Jesus, that meant my life was supposed to get easier, not harder. But let me just tell you, and again, Jesus never said that. He never said that. In fact, Jesus promised quite the opposite. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you also. Jesus didn't promise things were gonna get easier. He promised depth, rootedness, transformation, joy and peace that transcends understanding. He promised those things. But, but for some of us, quite honestly, what he's saying is some, we just, don't, we just don't hear that. We don't hear that part of Jesus's message. And so as a result of that, we're shocked when trouble or persecution comes. And then he gives the next soil. He says this next one. He says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, right? Everyone hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. And so basically he says, uh, there's some who when they hear, they're receptive to it, but, but there's so many other competing distractions that what God is trying to accomplish in their life is suffocated out, strangulated because of the concerns of life, 
because of anxiety tied to whatever and, and all of I gotta pay my bills, I gotta take the kids to bazillion events. There's this big stressful thing going in my, in my life because of the deceitfulness of wealth. Some of you have translations that say the seduction of wealth. I think that this, this particular soil, by the way, I think this really applies to us today in the place and time that we live. I heard one, one person say it this way. I thought, I thought they said it really well. One commentator, he said it this way. He said that many followers of Jesus Christ are sidelined and are rendered ineffective, not because of doubt, but because of distractions. That for some of us, man, we're just so distracted, so distracted that the work that God wants to accomplish in our life is being stifled and suffocated and choked because of the competing interests of other things around us. And so he says, that's gonna happen, that's gonna happen. But then he tells us the last soil. He says, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who, here's the key, they hear the words, they hear them, but they understand it. They understand it, they actually, they actually piece it together. They take the time to really press in and understand what Jesus is saying. And here's what he says. He says, this is the one who produces a crop yielding, look at this, 160 or 30 times what is sown. And let me just say that this last line right here, uh, unfortunately, a little bit gets lost in cultural translation. And the reason is because back in the first century, um, they would have estimated that a 10 to 20 fold yield was often considered superior. And so if you could get a 10 to 20 fold yield off of you know, what you planted, that would have been like superior. And so when Jesus says 30, 60, or 100, that would have been for them not just superior, that would have been supernatural. And they would have been like, whoa, no one has ever seen anything like that. And that's actually Jesus's point. What Jesus is trying to say is this. He says that within this message that I'm proclaiming to you, within my teaching, if you would actually listen to it, if you would actually understand it and let it take root in your heart, he says that latent within this little message is the power and the potential for explosive and exponential transformation. And this message is small and as little as it might sound to you, that if you actually take it to heart and you let it sink in and you let it transform you, that it has the power within it to utterly transform you 30, 60, 100 times, 100 fold, supernatural. And I actually really like the metaphor he uses here because you know, if you think about it, isn't that true about a seed? You think about a seed, a seed is just this little thing and it's so frail and it's so fragile and yet within it lies the DNA and the potential, the latent potential for something explosive. Think about this with a, you ever think about like a little acorn? Little acorn, right? So fragile. You could break it with your teeth if you wanted to, if you were a squirrel. Uh, you could put it on the ground on the concrete. You could smash it with your shoe if you wanted to. It's just, it's easy to break. And yet, within that little acorn lies the DNA, latent potential within it that if it takes root, it can make an oak tree that can smash through concrete. It's ridiculous. I was just thinking about that. Here's a, this is a, this is a picture that I pulled off the internet, but it's a picture, I'm sure, of things we've all kind of seen. This is a tree that's just busted through the concrete, through the sidewalk, moves the whole thing. Isn't that incredible? One little seed can destroy a whole sidewalk. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if anyone has ears to hear me and they're willing to press in and listen and take to heart the things that I'm saying, that this little message has within it the power and the potential to cause unbelievable transformation. I'll just tell you this much. I've seen this before. And my guess is that some of you in this room have seen this before too. I have seen the gospel get a hold of people's hearts and I have seen it break the strongholds of addiction. I have seen it break the stronghold of purpose, purposefulness. 
I've seen it break the strongholds of hard-heartedness and unforgiveness. I have seen it break through in people's lives. And I think what Jesus is saying is those who have ears to hear, this is what God has in store for you, but it's your ability to hear that is directly related to your ability to be transformed and to grow. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm actually gonna ask the band to come up. And as they come up, I think that what Jesus is introducing us here today is really inviting us to process through the question ourselves. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think through and I want you to process through this question. What soil are you? What soil are you? What kind of hearer are you? How do you listen? Are you the first soil you talked about? That, that, that man just, it doesn't make sense. You're gonna walk away. It's gonna make no difference. Are you the second kind of soil? You're gonna hear it with joy, joyfulness and gladness, but when things get hard, you're gonna bail? Are you the third kind of soil? Too many distractions, too many competing interests that are just gonna stifle and strangulate the work that God is trying to do, or will you have a heart that's willing to listen to him? I think it's worth mentioning, by the way, I think when Jesus gives us these four categories, his intention is never to, to say that these are permanent. I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think Jesus is saying, you're either, whatever, whichever of these soils you're in, you're trapped. That's what you're gonna be for the rest of your life. I think the reason that Jesus is introducing us to this is because he's causing us to think about how we listen and he's inviting us to move to a different category. And so here's the thing, the ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. How will you listen to Jesus? How will you hear him? And I think if Jesus was here, he would probably end by saying this. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You have ears, you should listen, you should listen.